Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. Which brings us to our uh, morning passage today from Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 3. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, This is what you should say to my lord Esau. Thus says your servant Jacob, I have lived with Laban as an alien, and stayed until now, and I have oxen and donkeys and flocks, male and female slaves, and I have sent to tell my lord in order that they might find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and the camels, into two companies, thinking, well, if Esau comes to the one company and destroys it, then the second company that is left will escape. This guy was always thinking. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who has said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies of all this stuff. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. But you have said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. And so he spent that night there. Then in verse 22, And that same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Jacob, Jabbok. Notice. He took them and sent them across the stream called the Jabbok. And likewise, everything that he had, Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then this stranger said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there this stranger blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. O oh Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher and guide this morning as we consider 
this strange, strange wrestling match. We ask in Jesus' holy name. And all of God's people shall say, Amen. 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 Well, 386 verse 1, just verse 1, as a follow-up to what we just read. Let's see. Come hold up proud face 
with the man who has been both his closest victim and at the same time his nearest kin. But if Jacob, by the J. Buck, is already feeling a bit inside out, the twisting and turning and inverting and ultimately the transforming of Jacob, the cheater, is only just beginning. For during this night he will find himself wrestling with a stranger. A stranger with a capital S, no doubt. A traveler unknown, and so ultimately he'll be wrestling with himself. The rabbinic tradition that I have come to love and deeply appreciate has pointed out that Yaakov, Jacob Yaakov, by the river Yavok, is wrestling with all of his might. And for this word wrestling or grappling with another, we have the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know a little, wa ye abak. Yaakov, Yavok, wa ye abak. By the way, wa ye is itself Yahweh turned inside out as well. Now that, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but that's crazy. It seems like a lot of honey moves happening in this passage as these two begin to grapple. But these harsh consonants, Yavok, Yaakov, Yayebek, the consonants actually wrestle with one another on the face of the Torah scroll. These words clash. And so we have the Bible itself inscripting this mysterious wrestling match between Jacob and, well, whoever it is. This jarring Hebrew text pulls us, the readers, into the struggle of interpretation, of asking just what's going on in this story anyway. And if we're paying attention, we cannot help but wrestle with this text. The great 11th century French rabbi nicknamed Rashi opened up this same book, the book of Genesis, to chapter 1, verse 1. We all know that one. He opened up to the very literal opening of Genesis, and here was his initial comment. This verse cries out, interpret me. And that cry of the text becomes no less insistent as we wend our way through the Genesis story till we come to this night, beside this little river, Jabok, can we join Jacob in his struggle? With thee all night I mean to stay and wrestle till the break of day. So let us now sing with the Wesley brothers the second verse of this marvelous hymn from O Come O Thou Traveler Unknown. Verse 2.
me thy name, and tell me now, indeed, with whom, with what does wrestling Jacob wrestle? Is he wrestling with his own name that the angel makes him confess? Cheater? Highly likely. Is he wrestling with his past? Sure. With his future? This future that's rushing to confront him with the rising sun? Undoubtedly. With a stranger who's a real angel? Or perhaps the stranger is stranger than an angel. Is this stranger God? Somehow in the mix of interpretive possibilities, it's all of the above. And maybe a lot more. Lots of wrestling going on here. The rabbis noted that Jacob, in the very next chapter, Genesis 33, would say to his brother Esau when they finally meet, truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. And he interpreted this, they, they interpreted this to mean that in both faces, the face of Esau and that of the stranger by the Jabba River, Jacob came face to face with judgment, which means he came face to face with himself, the cheater of his own brother. And in so doing, he wrestled also with God. How did Jacob himself put it? I have seen God face to face and yet survive. And then again to his brother, truly to have seen your face is like seeing the face of God. You know, wrestling, I've never been a professional or otherwise, but I've done a little bit, you know, it's a fascinating activity. When you wrestle, you know, you get rough, you get physical. You hold, and you're held. You grapple for advantage and come to know intimately the strength and the smell of your opponent. Maybe you even grab by the heel to get an advantage. Now, I don't know if angels can smell, don't know, or if they give off an odor. But I'd, it wouldn't be an odor, it'd be an aroma. Let's, it'd, be, it'd be sort of a heavenly, rosy aroma, no doubt. But wrestling all night long just sounds like a lot of work. Oh my goodness. And yet it suggests also this increasing closeness and intimacy with this other with whom you grapple. Maybe a little like what my mom used to condemn as roughhousing between my little brother and me. And of course, and I was much bigger, and I took advantage of that. Frustrated my little brother terribly. I still feel a little bad about that, but a lot of roughhousing. Or in my more, more recent memories, I recall these golden words I used to hear from my son Brian when he was little. Hey, Dad, let's wrestle. It was so great. Now he's 33 years old now, taller and stronger than his increasingly old man, and I do not bemoan the fact that he never comes around now saying, hey dad, let's wrestle. <laughs> wrestling is in your face. And what wonderfully rough times of closeness and love are wrestling, Brian's and mine, created. Dad, you wanna wrestle? But isn't it amazing and delightful and utterly unexpected that Jacob is said to have prevailed over this stranger? Like, when did that happen? 
Indeed, it's the stranger who gives Yaakov this new name, Israel, the human one who strives with God. For, in the words of this mysterious divine being, you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. He wrestled all night long without giving in or giving up. Indeed, the text implies that this traveler unknown resorted to some kind of cheating move himself. When he saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, the text says, he wrenched Jacob's hip at the socket so that the socket of his hip was strained as he wrestled with him. Not fair. Not a fair move at all. And yet even then, Jacob will not turn the stranger loose. Let's sing verse 3 of this wonderful poem. So this hymn in whose midst we're wrestling this morning, uh, written by Charles Wesley, the 18th century Methodist poet, whose brother was John, is offering us a profoundly Christian reading of Jacob's story. As you have likely noticed by now, the poet invites us to read, in fact, to sing ourselves into the narrative role of Jacob himself. By the way, if you were to look on that page 388, that little top note up there, uh, we're told that when John wrote the eulogy for his brother Charles, he concluded the tribute by writing this. Charles' least praise was his talent for poetry. I, I can't get that. His least praise was his talent for poetry, which sounds like he's saying he wasn't that good a poet. I don't know. Uh, but he goes on to say, but Dr. Isaac Watts, himself, of course, a great poet and hymn writer, did not scruple to say that that single poem, Wrestling Jacob, was worth all the verses that he himself, Isaac Watts, had ever written. So that's high praise. Well, you see, in Wesley's poem, Jacob is you, and it is I. Wrestling with a traveler unknown, a stranger who joins us along the road, unbidden and unrecognized. Like Luke's marvelous story of the risen Christ joining the pair of forlorn disciples on the Emmaus Road, perhaps this stranger will teach us how to wrestle with the scriptures and how to wrestle with 
God. And so this wonderful hymn encourages us to be the Jacob who can confess our misery and sin and who, like Jacob, can demand to know the name of this one with whom we wrestle. Here's one of the other ten verses of this hymn that's not in the four on 386, but of course is on the next page. This one we won't sing, but listen to this. Wilt thou not yet to me reveal thy new unutterable name? Tell me, I beseech thee, tell, to know it now resolved I am. Wrestling, I will not let thee go till I thy name, thy nature, know. This marvelous hymn teaches us, encourages us, it, it lends us the courage, the heart, to be receptive to the holy presence of this traveler unknown. And at the last verse of page 386, the tide now beginning to turn, we sing of this discovery. Verse 4. that great thy nature and thy name is love it is through Jesus and because of Jesus that as followers of Jesus we are bold to confess thy nature and thy name is love for first John proclaims that God is love and in the same letter we read just what this love that God is is this is how we know what love is, 1 John tells us, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. It is good when, at least from time to time, in our own wrestlings, we, like Charles Wesley, hear God's whisper in our hearts, the whisper of the God-man, covered in the dust of wrestling in Gethsemane, and in the blood of Calvary, part and parcel of our creaturely yearnings and struggles, in whose grasp we most truly live. It is good when our wrestlings find rest, when our struggling and doubting are addressed by the gentle whisperings of the Spirit. As the hymn's next verse puts it, in vain, I have not wept and strove. Thy nature and thy name is love. 
But we know that's not the last word. We know that the wrestling is not done. We know that we can relive the drama of this night of wrestling even tomorrow. For that is our lot as creatures of dust, feeble and frail as we are. And that's all right. That's all right. It means we can sing the song again. Jacob's wounded thigh is a not-so-gentle reminder that we, too, we are the walking wounded. So let's sing uh, what is the second to the last verse. It'll be on the screen if you have the hymn book. Turn to the, it's uh, number 13 out of 14 um, as our last one that we'll sing. helplessness, all weakness, I. May each of us hobble or limp or gimp our way faithfully as we walk with the traveler, now known to us at least a little better as the one who suffered under Pontius Pilate and who still bears Calvary's wounds and on whose hands our names are inscribed. May we be sure to read our names between the lines of those hands, those strong yet gentle hands. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even if these should forget, says the Lord, I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You want to wrestle? Let us pray. Oh God, you who, even as we draw near through Jesus Christ, we acknowledge to be strange beyond our imaginations, beyond our capacity to imagine. And yet you have drawn near to us very near and would wrestle with us in our own journeys that so often are marked by sorrow, suffering, uncertainty, questions. May we take heart from this story of Jacob, 
wrestling by the river Yabuk. Turn us inside out. May we be willing to say, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I've heard you calling in the night. Help us, we pray, by the gift of your Holy Spirit to be faithful to your calling upon our lives. We ask humbly in Jesus' holy name. Amen.